it's so important to be able to see the world through as many people's lenses as possible. Welcome back to another episode of the Elevate Her podcast, which highlights positive role models to empower and inspire you to achieve your full potential. We cannot believe this is the end of another season. We are so excited to close this third season with the amazing Tahira Risalat, CEO and illustrator of Tea Cake, an illustration site producing unique designs inspired by strong figures representing values of diversity, inclusivity, confidence and color. From South Asian origin and having grown up in cities as vibrant as Manchester and Sheffield, now living in London, diversity and representation is extremely important to Tahira. She aims for her art to convey her views and who she is, but above all, inspire others. DK began as a passion project which slowly developed into an outlet for Tahira's mental health and struggles with cultural diaspora. Six years later, the Key Cake brand spans multiple social media platforms, having amassed a following of over 80,000 people. Next to Tea Cake, Tahira is currently studying Innovation Design Engineering at Imperial RCA and hopes to pursue a career in human-centered design. In today's episode, we discuss Tea Cake and the idea behind it, taking up space and opportunities, the importance of seeing the world through as many people's lenses as possible, and the struggles of social media in getting the opportunity to reach the top. So without further ado, let's dive right into it. I think we're live now. Awesome. Yay. So Tahira, welcome to the podcast. It's such a pleasure to have you on. Maybe for our listeners, can you please introduce yourself before we dive more into your work? Yeah, sure. So, hi, I'm Tahira. I am the founder of an illustration brand called Tea Cake. And yeah, I'm going to tell you all things Tea Cake, all things about my background, how I came to start my brand, the struggles of, I guess, carving my space within what seems to be a very saturated market. Amazing. Thank you. <laughs> that was very nice. So how did you create Tea Cake? Where did the idea come from? So Tea Cake started, it, it never really started as a brand. It was just a bunch of drawings that I was doing in between pages of my journals when I was in sixth form. And, you know, I was just sort of doodling. And it was very much my idea of finding the style that I was comfortable with. So I was always really fascinated with fashion illustration so I really liked the idea of faceless art and I kind of ran with it and I would draw loads of you know film characters or you know comic book characters that I really liked so I remember I would I watched 10 things I hate about you for the first time and I drew like Patrick Verona and I wrote the 10 things I hate about you poem in my, in my journal and I used to you know draw this guy that I liked in college and you know kind of stuff like that but then slowly I started to sort of do more detailed pieces of like Marvel characters like Spider-Man and stuff like that and this was also around the time when I was extremely and still am obsessed with One Direction so I used to draw a lot of One Direction you know their outfits and things like that in my sketchbook and my younger sister basically said 
you know, there are all these people that are putting their artwork on Instagram, like these fan artists, why don't you do the same? And you'll get loads of followers. So that was really it. I, I decided, okay, cool, I'm going to put my artwork on Instagram. And so I started and I was looking for a name of what to call it because I didn't want anyone to find me. I didn't want anyone to know that this is what I did. So my friend's used to call me tea cake as a nickname because I was really obsessed with cupcakes and so the tea cake name kind of stuck and when I first made my account I started off on Twitter because One Direction has a really big following on Twitter and you know you're sort of on like the fan Twitter account and tea cake the name with one a was taken so I tried it with two a's and that's how the brand name came about and yeah and then I sort of made an Instagram and made friends with a lot of the people um, who were fan artists already, like big fan artists at the time. And they all just started sharing my work. And I gained that like initial core fan base, which, yeah, they've kind of stuck with me throughout the past like six, seven years now. Wow, it's been such a long time. Yeah, because you found it in 2015, right? Like, like I yeah. think it yeah, such a long time. It's crazy to see like how long it takes actually to build a brand because Usually when we see like the results on social media, like, oh, wow, they built this in like, I don't know, like three months, whatever. And actually, when you look at the timeline, it's been such a long time. So I think the timing thing is very interesting because I did it on and off for a while. So one thing I've always done is I've always given tea cake second priority in my life, which is something I really want to be changing sort of moving forward. But, you know, when I started university, it took second priority. When I started a job, it was second priority. And even now I'm doing my master's degree and it's you know, second in my list of priorities. So what happens is I usually put it on like a temporary hiatus and then revive it. So I really think that if I'd worked on it continuously and it was the sole thing that I was doing, I'd be able to kind of take it on a higher like point quickly. But yeah, I think the the sort of stopping and starting definitely made that made that time a bit longer. And yeah, that's definitely something that I want to be, I want to be changing going forward. That's nice. But I think though it's, it's elevating, like as, as Senior's abuse, it shows, it's promising for other people, you know, who are trying to start something up and they might be like a bit frustrated at first. And then, you know, like seeing you, for example, after six years, you know, you, you made it to like a big thing. So it's, uh, it's good to know. It's also good to know for Selena and me, huh? yeah. we've started the podcast a year ago now and, yeah. uh, <laughs> Yeah. So it's also nice for us to see. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the thing with having a passion. So I studied engineering at university and I'm doing design engineering right now for my master's. So sort of very technical focus, which requires a lot of brain power and just, you know, it's very emotionally, physically and intellectually exhausting to be able to do those big subjects. So it's difficult to have something that you want to do where it sort of ends up becoming like a release mechanism which tea cake was for a very long time for me it was the thing that I did that was just for me and then when it started growing and becoming you know the a, a community started developing and it became for other people as well I think that's when I sort of struggled to keep it on on my terms so I had to you know really reassess what tea cake was and what it meant for me and kind of affirmed to myself that it is something that I wanted to grow and I was happy with it being part of other people's journey as well 
So even though I wasn't working on it actively, I decided to register it as a company because I knew that I saw a future in it. So I think, yeah, there's no rush. And I turn 25 next month. So I kind of have been thinking about a lot of, you know, things I've learned, um, life lessons and and how I've, I don't know, matured in the last couple of years. But the, the biggest thing I've learned through my journey with tea cake is that there's no time limit. You know, it's not a race. You don't have to get to a point by a certain time. It's completely your own journey. And especially a lot of the people that I've spoken to in similar positions to me who do it on their own, you know, they don't have someone else to be helping them. Like I have a brilliant support network around me of my my family and my friends, but I think when it comes down to it, because you are on your own, you have to work on your own terms. And if it becomes stressful, you know, give yourself that break, especially when you're doing it alongside something like a degree, like you guys are as well, you know, you're doing Elevate Her and then you're also working at university. So definitely there's no time limit, just slow down, take it at your own pace and it will it will come to you. Such a great point. That's something we always discuss with Mikey as well, like just for life in general, it's crazy how people, like, I don't know, society in general, just with expectations and like, oh, by this age, you should have done this. Or like, by this time, you should have got that in your life. You know, you should be married, have kids, have a house, have a dog, have a baby. It's great. I love what you said. I think as women, especially as well, like, that's a really big thing for me to have felt like I had agency over my own life to be able to elongate that process because there's such a pressure and especially from the culture that I come from, it's almost, you know, set in stone even more rigidly of things that you have to have done by a certain time. You know, my mum keeps reminding me that she had me when she was 25 and, you know, I'm about to turn 25 and I've not had a baby. But, you know, people ask me, oh, you're still doing that little drawing thing. And, you know, I remind them, I show them it's not a little drawing thing anymore. You know, it, it, it's a big drawing thing. It's I'm, I'm doing it in a big way, but because I've I've worked on it incrementally. They've not noticed the success that I've been slowly working on and working towards. And yeah, I think it's really good to be able to surprise people who doubted you as well with sort of in incremental development. That's really nicely said. Yeah, mm. I like that. So because you just mentioned it, so, you know, like from the culture where you're from, would you mind telling us and our listeners about where you're from, how your journey was to the UK? So I was born in Bangladesh, then I moved to, to the UK when I was really young, when I was three. We lived here for about two years and then we went back for four years to Bangladesh. And then when I was nine, we moved back and then I've been here since. So I did quite a bit of back and forth when I was younger. But I think to my merit, something that it did is that it instilled this great sense of like a dual culture in me, which... In my teenage years, I struggled with extremely this idea of like cultural diaspora, feeling like I had to choose between the sides or, you know, I was kind of 50% this, 50% that. And I think alongside the time thing, a big thing that I've learned, especially in the past decade, is coming to terms with the fact that I don't have to choose. There isn't like a golden ratio of how much Bangladeshi to how much British I need to be. And tea cake played a really big part in that I think it really helped me be able to to put my stamp on the map and you know it helped me take up space which is what I felt like I couldn't do I felt like I had to be 
I had to be like suffocated into one box or the other. And yeah, something I always talk about it in the in this term, but TK really helped me take up space in the world. And I think that's so important when you feel like you have to choose. And if society or the world or your friends or, you know, conversations around you want to pigeonhole you, the best thing you can do for yourself is just to take up space, take up space in opportunities that are available to you. You know, like even if you don't have interest in it or you think you're not good enough for it, just apply to those things. Just go and have those experiences to be able to take up space so that you sort of develop like dimensionality to you. And I think now I'm very secure in my identity of who I am. And, you know, I I was at this networking event a couple of days ago and I was speaking to this investor who was looking at our project for, for my master's project. And, you know, he looked at me and he looked at my teammates and we're from quite international background. So, he, you know, he pointed at me and he said, you know, so you're like Indian or Pakistani. And I just told him, you know, no, I'm Bangladeshi. And I as soon as I would said that, I was thinking in the back of my mind, if he'd asked me that five years ago, I would have been really triggered and gone into an existential crisis almost. I, I would have felt like I had to say now I'm British Bangladeshi, you know, like I almost have to reaffirm to myself. But, you know, if he looks at me and he sees the color of my skin being brown and he's curious, what he wants to know is what my nationality is. So I just tell him, you know, I give him the answer he wants to know, which is that I'm Bangladeshi. And that's all that's really all that matters, because, yeah, I'm, I feel like I'm so secure in in my identity and who I am. The, the people who ask the questions, you know, they have an intention for why they ask you that question. So, so you know, before you go into a debate, just give them the answer they want and you can move on with your life. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so inspirational. But also, I just get really frustrated when people ask me that question. It's like, does that even matter? Like, why do you need to know where exactly I'm from? Yeah. And obviously, I feel like all people tend to, like, question that when you have, like, a skin color or, you know, like a different type of, I don't know, body or like whatever compared to the norm in the UK yeah it's interesting I, I like the fact that you talk about taking up space I feel like with Michael also this is something we always talk about for women taking up space is is really hard like both physically and mentally and that things sort of like go together but I was wondering so like through your work how do you try to express that so I think because I create faceless work there are lots of, I don't know, metaphors and connotations you can associate to my work. So I think as people were trying to figure out what the reason was that I did face this illustrations, I myself was also going on that journey to try and figure it out. So at first I I was, you know, sort of very adamant that even if my work was faceless, you could see a piece of work and you'd know exactly who it was. So because I was doing a lot of fan art you know I was doing all these drawings of like Harry Styles for example if you're a Harry Styles fan and you looked at the work you you knew that was him because of the specific outfit or the specific pose he was doing but then very quickly I realized that it wasn't about it being obvious to who the person was that I was illustrating it was more the ambiguity and being able to put yourself in in that drawing which was more important to people. So I created this artwork that was basically inspired by Zendaya. And I held my first ever like in-person store 
a couple of years ago, I think it was 2019 maybe on International Women's Day. And I was at this stall and this girl came up to me and she picked up the Zendaya piece and she said, oh my God, like, can I buy this? This looks exactly like me. And that's when the sort of switch clicked. And I realized that, you know, she was looking at that piece and she was seeing herself. She was not seeing me being inspired by Zendaya. And so I realized that it was really important to be able to create a body of work that was very varied, very diverse. And I, since then, have been on an active journey to seek out inspiration from people who are as diverse and as varied as, you know, physically possible um, in terms of skin color, in terms of body shape, in terms of height, in terms of taking up space for people to look at any of my works and be able to find themselves in at least one of them and I think that was that was really important for me and that's something I I actively continue to do in my in my sort of portfolio. That is really nice really interesting as well I love how yeah she could see herself in there and that was not the initial intention at first that's really interesting both we had a look in you know like through your Instagram as well but I'd be excited to see something like this in person as well at some point. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think it is so important, though, because I a huge lover of art and I've been to my fair share of, you know, galleries and museums. And I mean, people in the past have created some fantastic work, but I really am like an advocate of, you know, as being able to display current work being created by more diverse groups of people and giving them those platforms. And, you know, I go into a gallery and I don't see artwork that looks like me you know, Renaissance paintings are fantastic, but no, none of them look like me. And so I think it's really important just even in terms of like in quantity, like creating just volumes of work of, you know, brown women, black women to just just to be out there for it to be in the Internet, to be consumed and for people scrolling through and being like, you know, that kind of looks like me. And it's a faceless piece of art, but I can see myself wearing those clothes. Or I could see myself standing like that. So I think as well as it being faceless, the the posture and the kind of clothes that I draw is really important to me as well, to have variety in that as well. And, you know, I have like a, a South Asian women kind of collection. I call it the Desi collection. And, you know, it's it's varied in the terms of skin tones I'm displaying even within the South Asian community. Like it's it's really important to me that Even if it seems like I'm drawing the same thing over and over again, it's not because every every drawing there's like something slightly different and it might help a slightly different person feel like they see themselves in the art. I think another big thing is just for my work to be out there, to be consumed so that it can inspire other artists to do the same like I want other people of color other women of color to be able to see my artwork and be like you know I want to do this I want to start a business or I just want to start an account where I'm drawing and putting my work out there because it's so important to be able to see the world through as many people's lenses as possible and I feel like the lens that we see the world through is very narrow at the moment even still and I talked about it being sort of very saturated or feeling like a niche. So when you first go in, it does feel like that. When you first go into, 
you know, the illustration area or if you're looking into like women owned small businesses or, you know, South Asian businesses, things like that. They all seem like very narrow, suffocating niches. But then once you're sort of immersed in that world, you realize there's room for everyone. Like there's room for everyone and more because it's not possible unless you're directly like tracing my work for you to be able to replicate what I'm creating because there's a lot of thought put into what I'm doing. And so there is room for all of these people to come in. And I think that's something that, especially working in the social media and internet world, that's absolutely fantastic about that world is that it's accommodating of all these different types of people. Whereas in the physical world, that might be, that might be a bit more difficult. But I, I, I certainly think that enough isn't being done to be able to give people like us platforms. I think it's still the same group of people who keep being recycled through and re-given platforms which exist yeah I'm I'm not hearing about any any new up-and-coming people that are being given these opportunities it's always people who are already at the top or know someone who's at the top who are getting these opportunities and yeah so I think there needs to be a shift in the way that large companies or people with the power are utilizing the platforms they have to be able to give exposure to brands like mine like what you guys are doing totally agree yeah it's so true like there's always the same people at the top like if you have a big platform if you're like a if you have a large following on instagram you will have a large following on facebook okay i totally agree but i had another question because you said you're doing a master's in engineering now right mm -hmm. next to your designing so what made you study engineering so like did you why didn't you choose for example to put everything into tea cake very good question so I'm sure like many of your maybe South Asian listeners if they're listening they can also relate to this but I grew up in a very traditional South Asian household where my choices for what I wanted to do sort of post school was going to be engineering or becoming a doctor and for a really long time my mum really pushed for me to go into medicine and I am the most squeamish person just in this universe. I cannot stand the sight of blood. And so I think very early on, I actively made like my first decision to not do biology at A-level. That was like my first big, like, I don't know, rebellious act. And so for my A-levels, I did English and then I did physics, chemistry and uh, maths. And so I had always been good at sciences, but creativity and art is you know where my heart truly lies but I was sort of brought up in a culture where at the time you know I didn't grow up seeing role models I didn't grow up seeing brown girls doing business you know selling their artwork and making it really big which made me think I could do the same and I, I, I just didn't see like enough role models who looked like me or did anything remotely close to what I wanted to do at all. If I didn't do medicine, then my other choice was engineering. And because I was good at science anyway, I was like, okay, well, engineering it is. And so, but even still, I, I chose a field of engineering that at the time I thought was the most creative and the most applied. So I did materials engineering for my undergrad, but very quickly on towards the second my second year I was ready to quit I was ready to to leave materials because I was just I really didn't enjoy it it was so theoretical 
Um, it wasn't what I expected it to be at all. And all I wanted to do was tea cake. And then, you know, my mum kind of convinced me to see it through. She said, you know, you're you're more than halfway anyway. It's a three year degree. You might as well finish it and then you can go and do something else. So this was around the time when I would registered tea cake and I very much knew that's what I wanted to do in the future. And then once I'd finished my undergrad, I, I wanted to continue being in the in the engineering space, but just something a bit more applied, something a bit more creative. So that's when I found out about the course that I'm on at the moment, which is innovation design engineering. So it's kind of a shift from traditional engineering to sort of becoming a designer. But yeah, I think that doing this course parallel to TK being the most successful it's been has been so interesting to be able to transfer the skills from one to the other. And it doesn't just go one way. It's not like I'm transferring my design engineering skills into tea cake. I think I'm bringing in a lot of the things I've learned from tea cake in terms of like, you know, management, entrepreneurship and able to transfer it onto my course that I'm on at the moment. So, yeah, I guess I just want to parade myself around as like the poster child for you can do two things that are seemingly very different and still excel and still have them complement each other. I think this idea, similar to my nationality and my citizenship, right, of you don't have to choose, you can be both. I think it's a it's a sentiment that I've carried through in a lot of aspects of my life, this idea of duality and how you don't have to choose. Yeah, that's amazing. And I'm saying that for anyone listening who may be doing a degree that they don't like or they feel like it's it's been the wrong path don't be so hard on yourself like it's fine because we ask people now they're so young to take decisions about what degree they're going to do who knows at like 16 70 what they're going to do and like what they're going to like in like three years so it's like stick to whatever you're doing like do your best and as you said like it it will turn out well in the end like if if you just put everything you have in whatever you're doing follow your passion on the side if you have one then I think you know it, it will turn out fine and you're the proof of that and I think that's really inspiring and the, the skills are always transferable. I think there there is never anything you're going to do in life that you don't learn from. I think even if at the time you think I'm not learning anything from this, you reflect and you realise these are the things you've learned. So they are transferable skills. And also, I think for anyone who doesn't have the who doesn't have, you know, the privilege of that choice, you know, if they if they do have to do something because of the circumstances, it's fine because I think a great thing about the world that we currently live in is that people, you know, like they don't sort of pigeonhole you in terms of your past experience. So if you want to start something again from scratch, you you have the ability to do that. And especially with the resources available online, you know, the current degree I'm doing, I don't come from a design background professionally. Like there are a lot of skills I've picked up through tea cake which you know I would say are design skills but fundamentally like design theory I don't have a lot of but I've managed to utilize resources online to be able to give me that you know the things I need to be able to get by so if you didn't have the choice to be able to practice what it is you want to do or your hobby or something it doesn't matter because again you know you're not on you're on your own time, you're not on someone else's time. So it's fine. Um, and I think especially people who, and especially girls who are sort of coming from stricter households or stricter cultures where there's certain norms or rules you have to follow. 
I think don't ever let that stop you. And also, I think throughout my journey, I've also gained so much respect for the culture I grew up in because I felt like I very much antagonized it when I was younger, seeing it as, you know, it didn't allow me to do this or it didn't allow me to do that. But in fact, if I hadn't listened to my parents and I didn't have such a great engineering degree behind me, I wouldn't be where I am now. So, you know, everything sort of happens for a reason. I agree. I also big believer in everything happens for a reason. Yeah. But I, I like how you talk and how also like how your things complement with each other, how you can learn out of all your experiences. I mean, Celine and I, we also had discussions about that where we were reflecting on, you know, like the podcast and our PhD lives and you know, like everything we've learned so far doing the podcast work has helped us in so many ways with the PhD as well, of like speaking to people, networking, rethinking our thoughts and our beliefs and etc like with next year next week you know being our one year anniversary I do think a lot about this and yeah I'm I'm truly happy for the many people we we met through that <laughs> yeah. and I think I think transparency is a really big part of that so I think people always talk about you know being authentic it's almost like the new the new it word like right being authentic on social media or authentic wherever but I think authenticism is basically being transparent like not being afraid to tell your story and I think a lot of that comes from self-reflection so if you're reflecting on yourself and then you're reflecting on your choices you'll see how it all strings together and and how it got you to where you are so if you can be transparent in your own story you know you'll 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 see how how great of a journey it is that you've been on and if you've been on a journey and you've experienced those obstacles I think it's really important to be able to talk about them so that someone else going through the same obstacles can know that it's going to turn out all right for them and that's what it is you know the more diverse group of people you meet the more people you meet in general the more of those stories you're exposed to and it all all comes down to yeah like transparent storytelling yeah definitely and this is what Michael and I really want to like show through this process as well is that everyone's vulnerable everyone has their own flaws everyone has their own like made their own mistakes and but everyone's like just beautiful in the way they are right like everyone has their own qualities being vulnerable allows other people to be vulnerable and that's how you connect You can't have love, like you can't have relationships, you can't connect with other people if you're not being vulnerable. And that, as you said, is being authentic, quote unquote, um, or like transparent. Tahir is an entrepreneur. So maybe we can ask if she has any tips for any yeah. like young female entrepreneurs or any anyone just want, who wants to start a business. I think my top tip for being a good entrepreneur is going to go back to what I just spoke about which is transparency I think if if you can go on that journey just by yourself before you take someone else on it you have to really believe what you're doing is you know legit in a sense so you go on that self-reflection journey and you and you believe in yourself and you're ready to put yourself out there I think those are the brands or those are the products or the services that are really succeeding now I think we're seeing this real trend of like the importance of personal branding you know this idea of 
me and tea cake are not two different things. We are the same. You know, when I have to take a break because I've now got to concentrate on my master's program, then tea cake also needs to take a break. It can't carry on without me. So I think, yeah, if you're comfortable with it, sort of putting yourself out there as much as possible and telling your story. And that's what people buy into. And, you know, I, I, I've spoken to so many small business owners who really understand this and really sort of capitalize it on a good way you know as in this is this is the root of their success their authenticity is the root of their success so I would definitely say that and I would also say have a good network of supportive people around you there are so many people it sounds harsh but there are so many people just waiting to pull you down they do not believe in you even if they say they do they will only be around for your successes and not for your struggles so it's really important to have a good support network around you and yeah be nice to your mum because she's going to be you know one of the biggest and immediate support systems that you can have around and I I, I think my mum is instrumental to the success of tea cake I would not have been able to do what I do without her one last thing would be to as well as authenticity for yourself authenticity for the brand or the product that you're putting out so you know, think twice before you say yes to collaborations and platforms where you want to showcase your work. Because I think there are so many things in the world at the moment which require us to have an opinion on. And I understand that brands almost have to have this neutral standpoint on everything. But, you know, some things it's really important to get your opinion across, even if it means that you might, I don't know, divide opinions and and lose some sales or some followers I think it's really important that you stand up for the causes that you believe in and that are important so yeah your brand or your product or your service or your business is an extension of yourself so carry it through in that manner amazing what what powerful tips and advice thank you so much Tahira so I think our last question to you our signature question we ask all our guests, which is, what is your favorite word or quote and why? I think transparent. I'll go with transparent is my favorite word. Yeah, it's something that I aim to bring into all aspects of my life. I think transparency leads to leads to simplicity. And there are so many aspects of, you know, being a business owner that are very complicated. And there are so many moving parts, I think, when you can see transparency in a system or see transparency around you, it just simplifies things. So, yeah, transparency is my word. Thank you. Such a nice way to end uh, this episode. Thank you so much to hear it. That was awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this conversation with Tahira as much as we did and learned more about the meaning behind faceless art and how it connects to you, breaking out of cultural expectations and being authentic and not afraid to tell your story. You will find links to her website at Cake in the show notes. And as always, we would really appreciate it if you could rate and subscribe to this podcast as well as share it around you so that we can reach and empower more people to elevate their lives. If you wish to support our work, please check out our link tree where you can find a link to donate. We will take a little break now, 
So we're so looking forward to seeing you for the fourth season. Mm-hmm.